Well, good morning, Highland Park. It's uh, good to be with you. Uh, my name is Brian, and I um, uh, love being able to preach uh, in this series and study God's Word with you. Um, let's just begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 4, a passage we've been looking at throughout this series called Oneness. It's such a great passage, um, and I hope you've been thinking about it a lot. I sure have. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Would you uh, read these last few verses with me? There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We began this series uh, seven weeks ago. Uh, This is week seven anyway, just one more week left in this sermon series. And we spent the first three weeks talking about the biblical mandate for oneness, how God says, I command you to love each other, to get along, church, to take care of one another. And we explored this biblical mandate that Jesus modeled and uh, Acts showed how the early church lived it out, the the epistles. Ephesians uh, does an amazing job of giving us commands and instructions. And then after those first three weeks, we turned the corner and we began to look at what are the principles that I need in my life? What characteristics do I need God to put inside of me to fill me up so that I can be somebody who helps live this out? who helps people be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. And today, we're going to kind of combine the two different principles into one because they're so similar. They, they kind of hold hands with each other. And the two words today are listen and learn. Both of those go together. You have to keep them together. When I was thinking about what's the opposite of listening, you could say several things. You could say, well, talking is the opposite of listening, and that's true. The more you talk, the less you listen. It's just the way it is, right? You could say that having a really busy mind, where your mind is always thinking and going so fast that you actually don't listen to what anybody says. I do that at the grocery store when I ask for help sometimes. You know, I'm thinking about, hey, where, where is this weird seasoning that my wife needed me to get? And they begin to tell me the first thing. And then after I hear them say aisle seven, I quit listening. So I make it to aisle seven. And then I'm like, well, okay, now I don't know where to go from here. And so sometimes our minds are so busy. But I begin to think one of the real opposites of listening is not just talking, but it's gossiping. The Bible talks a lot about gossiping. Think about this. Listening extends love. Gossiping extends hate. Listening allows for reconciliation. Gossiping spreads anger like a wildfire. Listening is selfless. Gossiping is selfish. Listening expands knowledge. Gossiping expands ignorance. Listening breeds unity. Gossiping breeds division. Listening requires self-control. Gossiping is lazy. Listening makes friends. Gossiping separates friends. Listening is God-honoring, and the Bible is really clear about this. Gossiping is sinful. 
very opposites. And many books in the Bible talk about the value of listening. One of the the books that does the best job of that is the book of James, and there's several different sections throughout. But today our text is going to really focus on James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there near the end of your Bibles. And we're just going to read uh, these few verses that talk about the value of listening. James chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. So today I want to talk about the consequences of not listening and then the guidelines for listening. First, I want to just list several consequences, and if you want to follow along in your uh, sermon page in the bulletin that may be of helpful maybe of help to you but the first thing we see is this lack of listening spawns sinful anger there is such a thing as righteous anger you know and maybe you've heard the the term righteous indignation we think about Jesus in the temple when the people are cheating each other the religious authorities are cheating the others and they've turned the place of prayer into a den of thieves and Jesus starts flipping over tables, righteous indignation, saying, don't do this in the temple anymore. But here's the thing about our righteous anger. We need to make sure it's righteous. So how do we make sure it's righteous? Are we angry about the same things that made Jesus angry? I never, you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the biographies of Jesus. We never read about Jesus cussing after his soccer team lost. We never see him angry because Applebee's messed up his order and they put the wrong salad dressing on. We never see him angry about those kind of things that set him back a little bit or a lot. We see him angry about people mistreating other people and making it difficult for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. So think about, is your anger righteous anger, or is it unrighteous anger? Because a lack of listening spawns this unrighteous anger. You ever begin to hear something that maybe steps on your toes a little bit, and so you just shut down, and you form these little rebuttals in your mind, and these debates in your mind, and you feel like your, your temperature rising? And that, that, that anger can become very sinful, becomes the opposite of listening. One day, you know, if you are mistreated, know this, the Lord will bring justice, but our complaining won't speed it up. That's the Lord's job, to bring justice one day, and we also realize that, that God's been gracious with us. We don't deserve a thing, and hopefully that helps us be a little more gracious with others. 
So lack of listening spawns sinful anger. The second thing is lack of listening spawns slander. Gossiping has the idea of kind of whispering and talking behind people's back, telling something bad about them, um, even though it may be true. It's still sinful. And slander is just making stuff up about people. It's making people look bad, making up things about them. And the term fake news is fairly new and a a, a hot buzzword right now, but it's really been around for a long time. People have been making up things about other people to make them look bad, right? Uh, This has been going on uh, since the beginning of time. And James says, those who consider themselves religious, can I just make it real personal? Those who consider themselves Christians and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, deceive themselves, and their religion, their Christianity, is worthless. Did you catch that? If you consider yourself a Christian, but you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, listen, your tongue is like a racehorse, and it can go 65 miles an hour down the track, and it is fantastic. It is amazing how fast that thing can go. And James says, if you don't keep the reins on that thing, if, if you aren't telling your tongue, whoa, easy there, slow down, let's take it easy around this turn, slow down. If you don't keep your tongue under control, says your Christianity, it's nothing, it's worthless. Those are some big words. And I think that we could, if James was writing today, you know, I think he might even add some words. He might say, for those who consider themselves Christians and yet do not keep a tight rein on their Twitter or their Facebook or their emails, their Christianity is worthless too. We need to be careful. Oftentimes that anger or that disappointment or that stress or that tiredness causes us to fire off stuff. James says it's unhealthy and it's the opposite of godly listening. Proverbs has so much, so many good things to say about this. Proverbs ten nineteen is one of my favorites. It says, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. If there's a gazillion words, you're going to find lots of sin in there. If there's only a few words, you've got a better chance of not sinning. So be careful about just the volume of words. How many are going out? Because if we just talk, 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 talk all the time, sin is going to creep its way in. We've got to keep hold of our tongue. The last thing, I just want to mention a consequence we see. Lack of listening spawns ignorance. You know this to be true. Teachers here know this to be true. If somebody you know, fails the test, they're like, I can't believe I failed. And the teacher's like, well, yeah, I did notice you were playing with your fidget spinner you know, the entire last semester, and you weren't listening to the instructions. And so it's, it's no surprise, but the same is true for us in our walk with God. Proverbs 2, 1 through 6 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so when we listen to the Lord, we listen to other people, 
We don't have to live in ignorance anymore. A lot of the problems in this world aren't caused by people who are just mean. It's oftentimes just caused by people who don't know. They don't understand the plight of somebody else. They don't understand why their neighbor is struggling so much because they just have not listened. They don't understand how this person or that person is acting the way to do They just have not listened to really understand. So there's lots of consequences, lots of consequences when it comes to not listening. So instead, let's talk about some guidelines for listening. The first is this. Listen, and then listen some more. And learn, and then learn some more. I think sometimes we think, well, I listened for 30 seconds, so now I'm ready to talk. I learned something this month, so now I'm done. <laughs> now I'm ready to teach everybody else. Or I listened, and I learned a lot for the last 42 years, so now I don't really need to listen and learn that much more. And the truth is, we all know this. We all can grow. We all can listen more and learn more. We all have stuff that we have yet to hear and we have yet to learn. If we can all get on that same page, then it's a beautiful thing together. If we can learn to ask a question and then ask another question, we learn so much. I, I know that in our culture... Sometimes when somebody speaks, we get offended or we get defensive or we even make things up in our mind that they may not even be feeling, but sometimes that shuts down conversation for uh, uh, an, an elderly neighbor here I met a couple weeks ago. She said, I'm afraid. I'm nervous. Uh, I, I don't have people taking care of me. I don't have family still alive. I don't know my neighbors anymore. You know, I could, have, I could have just spouted off, well, you got your cell phone, right? You could call somebody. And, and I mean, you know that, that game day is Wednesday at 1130, right? So you have got no excuse. You should just come, and you should start to get to know people, and I could start going on and on. And those are, are valid things to speak to her about at some point. But first, I just need to listen and understand, oh, man, she is afraid, and whether I think that fear is valid or not doesn't really even matter. I need to understand, oh, that's where she is right now. And that helps me understand her. And then I can get to know her. And by the way, I'm hoping that we have some guests from our day of serving that show up on game day Wednesday. Um, we've given some of those names that will be contacted this week because we know there's lots of loneliness in our neighborhood. And we're excited about that. I know that when I've talked to some law enforcement officers who have said, we're a little uneasy right now. I could spout off and say, well, you got the position of authority and you got this and you got that, and I could completely dismiss what is a real feeling in our country right now. I know that I've heard minorities say to me, our fear level is fairly high right now. It has risen quite a bit. And we feel fearful for some of the things that we've seen um, uh, where people have taken out some violence or abuse or graffiti or whatever it might be and said things that seems to have upped a level. And I could just say, oh, it's just the media hype. Get over it. Or I could say, okay, I'm hearing you. I'm listening. We need to listen to each other. So listen and learn, and then listen and learn some more. Uh, the next thing is to listen in order to be transformed. Listen in order to be transformed. Don't just listen and learn and then tuck it away. 
I, um, I play golf. We were just talking golf with some friends. I don't play very much with every kid that I had. Like it cut my golf time in half, and now I'm down to like four times a year. So my golf, uh, my golf has been cut down, and that's fine. Maybe when they start graduating, I'll start playing again. Um, but I, I used to read some, some magazines. My friend Don used to hand me some of his magazines. And if you read a golf magazine, they've got stories in it. But what do you go to if you're a golfer? You go to the tips. Because on the front, the way the magazine sells is, we will fix your slice in 15 minutes, you know. Or we'll teach you how to make a 25-foot putt. And I'm like, oh, man, I've never made a 25-foot putt. I need to read that article. And so I would read the tips and the things. But you know what? None of them did me any good unless I read them and then went to the practice, the driving range, and practiced and think, okay. And there's actually about two tips that have helped me. One of them, Annika Sorenstam, one of the greatest golfers, um, and she dominated the era for a long time. She said, uh, I read this tip. She said, I always pretend like I'm in a barrel, so I don't sway back and forth in my golf swing. I just turn. And I thought, man, I sway back and forth a lot. And when I swing, every time now, I picture that I'm in a barrel. That's what's going through my mind. But the reason that worked was I read it, and then I went and I practiced it. But I've read hundreds of other golf tips. None of them helped me. Why? Because I did not practice them. I did not take it into account. And the same is true with spiritual learning, biblical learning. If we come and we learn, and if in the morning when you open up your Bibles and you read Scripture, if we don't put that into practice, and I mean quick, if we don't immediately say, God, this is an area of my life that I realize needs some changing, needs some working, needs some, uh, you need to transform me, do something different in me. If we don't do that quickly, we completely lose it. It's like, we, it's like the guy who looks at himself in the mirror and he walks away, can't remember what he was looking at before. And James says, so listen and then put it into action. Quick, pronto, you can't wait. Have you ever been to a conference or a convention or seminar and it just kind of felt like you were drinking from a fire hose, like all this good knowledge and all these quotes and you're writing down. And um, I've realized that if when I leave that thing, if the next day I don't like kind of whittle down to like, here's the three things I want to do, all it becomes is a notebook on my shelf that I never look at again. Because we have to put it in to practice and we've got to do it quickly. So we, we listen, then we listen some more, and we, we listen and we learn in order to be transformed, not just to gain knowledge. You ever know somebody who went to college and then they just kind of stayed there forever? And you're like, hey, haven't you been there for eight years? What are you doing next semester? Ah, I signed up for some new classes. Why? And, I mean, some of you are feeling really guilty and uneasy, and I wanted to tease you this morning. And there's lots of reasons for that. It could be that somebody keeps changing their mind or whatever. But let's be honest. Sometimes it's because that college student is afraid to enter the real world. And it's safer to just kind of keep taking classes and stay there. And, and, and sometimes the actual application of what we're learning is scary because it involves real change in our life. So James says, learn in order to be transformed. Learn in order to do something with it. So when you come on a Sunday morning, when you open your Bible in the mornings or evenings or whenever you do, you do that in order to be transformed so that you will do something with it. It is called the perfect law for a reason. You apply it and God's perfection will begin to take place in your life. Not that you will become perfect in everything that you do, but God will transform you. It's a perfect law, so we learn from it. The next thing is, 
listen to wise counsel. Don't just listen to anybody. Don't just listen to everything. I want you to listen to everything, but have some discernment there. It's easy for us to, to just listen to you know, what we call today the echo chamber. In other words, we only there's, there's complete websites that I can read that will only tell me what I want to hear. There's radio stations that can tell me what I, only what I want to hear. And there's friends that we can find that will only tell us what we want to hear as opposed to what God may want us to hear. And so we need to learn to listen to wise counsel. In the Old Testament, there was King Saul and then King David and then Solomon. And then he had a son named Rehoboam. And really everything was lined up for Rehoboam uh, to become this great king of Israel. I mean, he had all, everything was ready to go. The problem was that when Rehoboam was coming into power, he inherited a kingdom in which his father had turned a little brutal on the people. He was working the people. He was taxing them heavily. He was making life very miserable for them. And Rehoboam uh, found some of the counselors, the elders, and he said, hey, listen to me. What should I do? And they said, you need to ease up on the people a little bit. You're just kind of working them into the ground, and they're going to hate you, and they're going to be bitter, and they're going to rebel against you. Let the, you know, be loving to the people, and they will love you. That was wise counsel. But he went to another group of friends, kind of his buddies, and he said, what do you think? And they're like, oh, man, work them even harder. Put your thumb on them. Show them who's boss. You know who Rehoboam listened to? His buddies. They're like, you're the man. You do whatever you want. You make sure they know you're the real king here. And that's what he did, and it led to all kinds of destruction. So listen, but you have to learn to listen to wise counsel. That requires prayer and discernment, thinking it through, looking and saying, does that person really care about the Lord? Do they really care about me? And of course, the wisest counsel comes from God. It comes from the Lord. So before you listen to anyone else, make sure you are listening to the Lord. And there's just no way that you can be doing that well unless you're spending time here. God gave this great effort, this great plan to give us his scriptures, the perfect law, this letter to you and to me, full of eternal wisdom. I mean, we're, we're learning lessons today. I mean, Rehoboam, we're talking thousands of years ago. almost 3,000 years ago. And what was true then is true today, right? You listen to the foolish people who just tell you what you want to hear, you're going to end up living a foolish life. And so there is no way that we can really listen and learn from wise counsel unless we are giving our attention to Scripture and opening up our Bibles and saying, God, teach me. I'm listening. I'm ready to learn, and I'm ready to put it into action. And so we need to find times where we can do that and where we can read and we can learn. I know for me in my day, um, our family does a devotional thing in the morning during the school year in the summertime. You know, kids don't have school, and the schedule gets a little bit different, but I like to read my Bible while I eat breakfast, and then I like to journal a little bit. But it's hard for me to be real quiet sometimes until I leave because a kid's waking up and might 
need me to help get some, something for breakfast, or there's just kind of stuff going on. But I also know that when I get to my office, I've got this little moment where it can be quiet. But as soon as my computer fires up and I look at my big to-do list on my whiteboard, as soon as I start going, then I feel like I'm going 100 miles an hour, and it's kind of hard to really be thoughtful and slow and listening to the Lord. So I like to start my day listening, because if I don't start my day, it's kind of hard. I feel like I'm interrupting my day. I'm not, but I feel like I'm interrupting that. And so find a time when you can listen to the wisest of counsel. And the last, the last guideline is listen in order to be a minister of reconciliation. We've used that phrase a lot. I know it's a big phrase, but it's so important. To be a minister of reconciliation means that you help people be reconciled to God. It's the greatest privilege we have in the universe is to help people know God. God could have said, "Ah, I won't have you guys messing that up for me. But God said, I want you to be part of this. In fact, I command you to be part of this with me. Help people be reconciled, be made at peace with God. You help them know me. You help them uh, and you teach them so that they can be baptized and say, yes, I commit my life to Jesus and follow after Christ. What a beautiful thing. And also to be a minister of reconciliation means that we're helping people be reconciled within each other. Counselors have a special place in doing that. But everybody has some role in being a minister of reconciliation, of helping the church and people love each other. Paul did such a, a magnificent job of listening and learning so he could be a minister of reconciliation. In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I become all things to all people so I can win some. In other words, uh, I, if, if you're this way, I'm going to learn about you and listen to you so that there won't be any barriers when I tell you about the gospel. And if you're this way, then I'm going to kind of listen to you and learn from you so that I can help you know the gospel as well. That's not being wish-washy. That's not watering down the gospel. Paul was just getting to know people so he could tell them the gospel. That's what he did. And we, we see this beautiful story in Acts 17 where he comes to um, Athens. And there's this group of kind of think highbrow academic philosopher types there. But Paul doesn't walk there and just start preaching. The text says he walked around the city. He listened to the people. He observed, here's what they're worshiping. Here's what they're doing. Here's their priorities. So that when he began to speak, you know how he opens his speech? He says, hey, I was walking around. I noticed some of your idols. I noticed one of them was even to an unknown God. And he says, wouldn't you rather worship a God who can be known? What, I can tell you about a God who's not made of stones and bricks and sticks. I can tell you about a real God who created you. And then he even quotes one of their poets and says, in everything, God created us to live and move and breathe. And Paul teaches them and says, Jesus is the answer, the real God that you need. And if you can find Jesus and you can accept Jesus, then he is real. He's not a, a, a God that's going to topple over when you get some bad weather. I mean, this is the real God. And he explains the way of Jesus to them. And some of them refused and they sneered and they walked away. But some said yes to Jesus that day. They wanted to learn more. And in um, 
in kind of some circles, if you're talking about what, what would you call this, some would say he developed cultural competency. In other words, he understood his culture. He understood the city. He got to know the people so that he could present the gospel to them. And here at Highland Park, we are wise to get to know the people around us. Young, old, different cultural backgrounds, the neighbor over here, the person here, the person who has a whole lot of money and the person who's struggling financially, to to know all of those people so that we can try to tell them the gospel in a way that they will understand and they will connect with. It's an incredible thing. And I want to tell you, and just kind of close this time, with four amazing words. I mean, these four words are so amazing is just incredible. Here they are. God listens to us. Have you ever thought about that? That God listens to us? Now, my buddy Kyle and I went to a Kansas City Royals game, and we saw Bo Jackson, one of the greatest athletes in the history of the world, and we said, Bo, can we have your autograph? Bo did not listen to us. (laughs) He told us to go somewhere else, actually. He's an athlete. He's just a human. Not that big of a deal. The God of the universe who created this whole planet. Think of the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. If you've ever traveled and seen beautiful mountains, if you've traveled through West Oklahoma and seen the plains, if you look at the stars late at night, the God who created all of that listens to little itty-bitty you and me. And he cares what we say, what we feel, what we think. It is an amazing thing that God listens to you and listens to me. And that very promise should change everything about our lives, that God cares for us so much that he listens. And so then the question becomes, okay, so do you listen to God? Is God speaking too? Do you listen to God? Or, or are you so busy that you won't listen? Are you so concerned about yourself that you won't listen? The truth is, if you want to start being a great listener and learner, you can work really hard at it, but you can't do it on your own. Only God's transformation work in our life, the Holy Spirit working in your life, can help you be the listener God designed you to be, to help you be the learner God designed you to be. And the ultimate act of listening and learning and being transformed, the very first act is to say, yes, Jesus, I submit my life to you. I want to commit to you and die to my old self and be raised anew in baptism and walk with you. But then every day after that to continue this commitment, I want to listen and learn so that I can love you, Lord, And I can love the people you've put in my life, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my church. And I can love them too. This morning, we would be glad um, to, to pray with you. We'll have some people up front that would be glad just to sit down and listen to you and pray with you during this next song or even when the service is done. If you'd like to come up and have somebody pray with you, we'd be glad to do that. If you want to say, well, I'm ready to listen to Jesus and give my life to him, we would love to talk to you and pray with you about that as well. Would you stand and let me pray with us? God, we thank you for being such a great listener. I mean, we, we've, we've done many foolish things. 
and yet you still turn your ear towards us to listen to us because you love us. And so, God, then the question becomes is will we listen and learn and allow you to transform our lives into the, to the people you want us to be? And God, we, we want to be those people who can listen, learn from you, listen and learn and care for other people too. And God, we thank you. We thank you, thank you, thank you that you have listened. In Jesus' name, amen.